And I kind of sunk down in my chair in my seat and the plane hadn't taken off yet. And, and he texted me again and I pretended to ignore it. And then finally, seven foot tall Shaquille O'Neal stands up and waves get up here from the front of the plane and everybody's watching. And I thought, I am getting fired today, I bet. So I step over my boss, who's not a fan of mine, and head up the aisle and help him. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast, a member of the Education Podcast Network. The voice you heard at the beginning of the show was that of Amy Jo Martin. Amy is a best-selling author, a speaker, founder, CEO, and she has this podcast called Why Not Now? And ironically enough, that was one of her origin stories on the Why Not Now kind of movement. She uh, is quite a storyteller. You're going to listen to me. I'm stuttering over myself because I loved this interview that much. Her stories of how she came to be in that moment, that pivotal moment, I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, but one thing I love is is that I'm, I'm always trying to encourage more female entrepreneurs and uh, women that lean in. I have two daughters of my own. This is really important to me. Um, but listening to Amy and her confidence, um, but also how she got there is just as important. It's, it's incredible the journey she's had. So if you have a daughter, I really want you to recommend this one. If you have students, uh, female students, I recommend this as well. Um, but this is one that I think brings a lot of value. Matter of fact, this is one that uh, my daughter right afterwards started pouring through her podcasts as well. Know you're going to love it. Uh, that, and I also recommend that you reach out to Amy. She's quite active, and you can find her at Amy Joe Martin on Twitter. So dig in, take some notes, and enjoy this one. Amy Joe Martin. Okay, now I am thrilled to bring on the extremely energetic and awesome Amy Joe Martin. Amy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Don. Extremely energetic. I'm gonna roll with that one. I, I know. Really to be here with you. <laughs> Sometimes I hesitate. Like I should automatically press record right as I start, like on the pre-show stuff, because there's always nuggets of gold and you know grandfather's founding cities and things of this nature. <laughs> we might get to that later. Um, but I was mesmerized by your story. And um, so I, I know you've probably relived this uh, other times, but uh, for the sake of, of bringing you to hopefully what is our fun audience, um, tell me about you making the transfer from working for a professional franchise to saying, nope, I'm going to go on my own and all the wonderful things that went along with that. Sure, I can do that. Uh, so I worked for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA uh, for the 05-06 season through the 09 season. And it was a critical time when that good old social media uh, communication, those platforms started to surface. And so it was a uh, kind of an experimental process of uh, the position I was in as the director of digital media and research. Actually, it was called new media at the time, um, which is kind of funny. I was just experimenting with how we could, you know, use different digital assets to bridge the affinity of fans to the team and fans to the athletes. And that was kind of what I call traditional digital back in the day. And as Facebook and Twitter and YouTube were really growing in that wave was coming, it became an awesome asset to leverage and play with to see how we could 
really even build sponsorship opportunities into it and monetize our digital assets. So um, long story short, I ended up getting a phone call one day. I'm sitting at my office, or actually it was a cubicle. Um, and I get a phone call from basketball operations and they said, come down to the locker room right now. Shaquille O'Neal wants to learn how to tweet. And they said, we've checked around and nobody in this building knows what that means. This was 2008, <laughs> 10 years ago. And I don't think they called it tweet or Twitter. I think they, call, they called it something off. You know, people weren't quite familiar yet with even how to refer to Twitter. Twitter and all these funny terms. So I head down to the locker room and sure enough, little did I know that that elevator ride was about to change my life because I taught Shaquille, I met him and I'm looking up at this seven foot tall guy and he hands me his, what he called his Shackberry, his Blackberry at the time. Everything has a Shack. Yeah, he was the king of branding himself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. We were in Phoenix, so he was the Shactus, like the cactus at the time. Uh, and we started experimenting and I helped him. And it was such an early time, early days that there really weren't too many high profile people on, on Twitter yet. There were some, and actually Barack Obama at the time was really leveraging that platform because he was campaigning uh, for the election coming up. And it's, it's just, it, it was great timing. And also I had these ideas to give to him to help bridge the virtual world with the physical world and show fans who he really was uh, because everyone knew him from the basketball court and they knew he was he was kind of funny but it wasn't until social media came around that he had direct access to fans to communicate and entertain them so we created some some crazy campaigns on the fly and experimented and little did I know that would end up being, you know, national and international news stories of how to harness these new communication channels? Yeah, which so eventually, that, yeah, which eventually led you to write a book and everything yep. else. So I took the leap. I thought I was going to just go consult and and help uh, Shaquille, you know, with his personal brand online, um, and it turned into an agency and a really fast growing, um, you know shop that I would have never imagined. Yeah. So when, when was that moment? I mean, that's the one thing I like asking entrepreneurs, like, especially entrepreneurs, like when was the moment that you're like, I can no longer be here and just dabble. I have to jump all in. There was a very specific, specific time. And, and it, I left in April of 2009. The moment happened about a month prior. We were on the team plane getting ready to take off to go play the Lakers. And it wasn't every day that I got to travel with the team, but this happened to be a sponsorship trip where we could take our marketing partners along with us. So the athletes and the coaches are at the front of the plane. I'm at the back and I'm sitting next to my boss. And I was kind of in trouble with the executives because there weren't rules yet for social media. And we were making them up as we went. And the league office was calling from New York saying, what is going on down there in Phoenix? Hold up you know, we don't have rules for this yet. So pause. And I wasn't, I was asking a lot of forgiveness instead of permission. So sitting on the plane, I had had my hand slapped quite a few times because I was playing in this Twitter world and I was supposed to be in Twitter timeout. And Shaquille texted me and asked me to come up to the front of the plane to help him with something. 
And I knew if I went, that would not be good because I wasn't supposed to be working directly with the players, let alone social media. And, and I kind of sunk down in my chair in my seat and the plane hadn't taken off yet. And, and he texted me again and I pretended to ignore it. And then finally, seven foot tall Shaquille O'Neal stands up and waves get up here from the front of the plane and everybody's watching. And I thought, I am getting fired today, I bet. So I step over my boss, who's not a fan of mine, and head up the aisle and help him with what he needed help with, which was very simple. But what a great and convenient <laughs> excuse, though. I mean, well, like, it, it is darn if you do, darn if you don't. Though. You didn't? No, no, I didn't. That's, that's the key. It was, it was close, I think. But... I help him. Then he starts telling all of his teammates, Hey, you should hire Amy Joe. She'll help you. And I said, Kill, I work for the team. <laughs> they can't hire me. And he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't. Um, kind of under his breath. And I walk back to my seat. My butt hits the seat. And my boss turns to me and said, you know what, Amy Joe, you're a renegade. And she was just pissed at me, you know, for not following directions and so I text him right then and there and I said Shaquille I'm in I'm gonna start my own thing he writes back awesome I'll be your first client and so it was this I call it my why not now moment like and it was this moment of if I don't commit right now and follow through with what I know I need to do I'll get I'll chicken out probably by the time we land in LA I will have wow. overthought it so so that's my story yeah that is a heck of an origin story I I've <laughs> wow I'm I'm impressed and, and what I love is just the subtleties because had he not physically said get over here there could have been two different paths. I mean, you could have you could have answered this, the the text and been fired probably on the spot, or you could have ignored it and then wondered what for the rest of your life. And instead, he, you know, Shaquille took the initiative to say, "Get your get, get over here," and I yeah. and I think well, like what a great blessing to have an excuse. You know, oftentimes right. I'll, I'll even tell my own students, I'm like, when they're shy, like I I and we've talked earlier, like I have them network. And I'm like, usually the bigger, the better. The worst thing they can do is say no. And then I said, you know, the other thing is you can use this class as an excuse. And, and I always give this reference. Like I was embarrassed to ask out uh, this girl in my high school years. And um, <laughs> I was grounded <laughs> uh, for dumb reasons. And so I was like, this is it. I'll be able to ask her out because I know that she'll say no. But I'll say, hey, when I'm ungrounded in three months, will you go out with me? So I call her, I'm like, hey, I know this sounds stupid. I know you're going to say no, but I'm grounded till April. But in April, do you want to go out? Um, and she's my wife now. Yeah, right? oh. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> I love that story because she, I can't believe she said yes. Anyway, um, but I'm like, there was an excuse. So it made me feel less anxious. And I'm like, yeah. same thing. I'm like, if you're actually, like, if you want to contact with that dream CEO or that all-star or whatever, I'm like, just say, hey, I've got this crazy teacher He's putting me up this, but I would love to collaborate with you. And I'm like, let that be your buffer zone. And here yeah. I listen to you. I'm like, Shaquille freaking O'Neal was your excuse. How cool is that? <laughs> oh, and these are the renegade thing. You know, renegades, they get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and that is a, a practice, right? So we can start really small with something that, makes us uncomfortable and before you know it it's kind of like building a muscle and it's a skill you develop to where you find yourself 
raising the bar. And that's one of the things I've learned from working with these incredibly innovative people is that you do need to work on that and practice and put yourself in those situations. And, and I have to credit that boss for the word renegade because I ended up calling my first book yeah. Renegade Break the Rules. <laughs> Right. So. I was just going to mention that when she's like, when she called you the renegade, like, it's funny, like a couple of years later, you're like, thank you for the title of my book. Um, <laughs> and, and honestly, I even, I love some of your rules in there and, and like, and I'm sure this is deliberate, but you wrote rule one from there on out, like be the media. You don't have to rely. You can dictate your own narrative. Um, yeah. And matter of fact, let, let's, let's get into that a little bit. You, you don't have to talk about, you know, all the rules. Um, but some of those guiding principles as you stepped out from being an employee to being, you know, Amy Jo Martin, uh, Inc., so to speak, uh, what were some of those guiding principles? Yeah, the bridging the virtual world and the physical world was a big one for me because I realized that's when the magic happened with connection and human connection. And so... It, that we called these these stunts that we did random acts of shackness at the time and it was uh, really simple shaquille would tweet his exact whereabouts at a street corner in phoenix or whatever city he was in playing uh play basketball and he would tell fans to come and meet him and the first person to tag him would get tickets to the game that night or something like that and and when you bridge these two worlds it just it increases loyalty to an extent that you'll never be able to get um, with one or the other because the virtual world offers this ability to connect across the globe and high frequency connection and people you would never obviously connect with, but then we know there's nothing more powerful than meeting in person and that impact. So having both work in tandem was brilliant. And, and I think the other big thing was, yeah, leapfrog the media and or just own your voice. You know, if you're, if you're not a celebrity or an athlete, you have the power now to speak. And if you're interesting and you have value, you will be heard. And it's the most, you know, democratized form of communication because we all have equal access to hopping into these platforms and sharing our thoughts and yeah. our ideas. Well, and what I love the most is, especially seeing that I enjoy being around um, young minds, is that you're talking about uh, you giving back and being a media presence from random acts of, you know, kindness kind of thing or shackness. Uh, and I love that because, you know, too often times people see millennials, Gen Zers as me, me, me. But in a lot of things you're putting in this book, and I totally agree, is that, man, you have some media leverage if you're just a good person. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the rule of the act of good can't be scaled. I mean, I, it's, you do great things, and then amazingly, you'll, you'll, you'll get that accolade. And, and again, not for the sake of just getting accolades, but for, you know, scaling up and, and doing great things. So I, I, I love that. You also start talking about, um, you know, you actually mentioned it before, you start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, obviously, from that pivotal moment is your first moment of uncomfortableness. But talk to me a little bit about some of the growing pains of being on your own and growing through that uncomfortableness and almost embracing it now. Sure. So, I mean, there's, there's so many times where I just had to kind of push myself. And, 
I would say there were a lot of times where adrenaline was what fueled me. And I realized that's not always the best form of sustainable fuel. It's not very sustainable, but um, really getting uncomfortable. And this is something I talk about on, on my podcast on the Why Not Now show is that we tend to fear things when we don't think them through logically. And so I always ask, what's the worst thing that could happen? And if you, if you don't really start at that end of the spectrum, but start with just, what if this doesn't work? And, and then answer the question and then ask again, well, what if this doesn't, what if that doesn't work? And then what, and then what? And, and you follow that process all the way to the worst possible thing. It's usually either A, the amount of time it would take to get to that outcome is a lot longer than we think. And there are opportunities along the way to adjust course and take out a little insurance and make pivots. And B, you just, it becomes more logical. Fear isn't in the driving seat, the driver's seat. So it's a calculated risk all of a sudden versus this scary, uncomfortable act that you're about to do. Um, so that is a trick that I use on a daily basis of even if it's something small, I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen? And it just allows you to, to get a little more logical and analytical versus fear driven. Yeah, no, I, um, I almost require it to be reading for my class. Uh, the guys from Freakonomics, uh, their book, Think Like a Freak, they talk about doing a pre-mortem before big things. And, uh, you know, uh -huh. a, a post-mortem is, you know, hey, here's how we died. But thinking about how, how is this going to fail? Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's good in everything. I mean, I, I'll, <laughs> at age 45, I'm trying to get back into better shape and, I did that on myself. Like, okay, how am I not going to follow through on this? And by just being aware of it, I was aware of it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I avoid these pitfalls for sure. And it's, it's helped. Um, but like you're saying, it's, it's almost kind of like a, uh, know what you're getting into and know that that fear isn't that big of a deal. It's not that awful about where you're going to start. Um, right. So tell me a little bit, you're, you're now alluding to the podcast. Uh, tell me how you got started with that. Well, I had been, um, I've been working around these, I call them renegades, these people for the past 15 plus years. And uh, prior to the Suns, I worked in areas of professional sports and uh, in the different leagues uh, as clients of mine, uh, as I worked in an ad agency and then also just um, I started to want to record our conversations and I've learned so much from them that I wanted to kind of help share what they were able to do to help me. So I started a podcast called why not now? And it really revolves around the one question. And that question I ask all of these guests, whether it's Mark Cuban or Tony Robbins or Jessica Alba, I ask them, can you tell me about a time when you had to ask yourself, why not now make a big decision and we'll dissect that day, that minute, that hour. And so we get into the literal tangible things that happen and they don't, I don't really buy in if they start to talk about the inspirational kind of high level intangibles. Those are, that's great, but that's not what the show is about. We're talking about no, literally what'd you do that day? Mark Cuban when you got fired and decided to start your own thing. And what's happened is I've started to find these themes and these tricks that they all do. And without even realizing it, they do it. It's just, 
after having these you know, hundred plus interviews and conversations and many years under my belt, it's become apparent that they navigate between idea and action similarly. And that is an amazing insight. Those insights are, are really valuable to other people who are wanting to do something that they've been thinking about for a while and they just don't know how to get started to kind of force themselves to push over that starting line. So for those of you just now scratching your head and going, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The first client you have is Shaquille O'Neal and the first uh, podcast episode you do is with Mark Cuban. Um, people are like, how in the heck did you do that? You're, <laughs> and so I, I think I know how to answer this for you, but I want you to answer it. How the heck did you do that? I mean, we know about Shaquille. That was, that was without a doubt, right place at the right time and awesomeness and serendipity. Um, but now all of a sudden you growing into, yeah, I'm going to call Jessica Alba. You know, it's, you talk about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I find most of these connections, you know, a lot of them, one led to another for sure, because that is kind of its own world. And I'm from Wyoming. I grew up in small town, Wyoming. Like there, I, I didn't have any interaction with any celebrity for the first 25 years of my life. So this wasn't just kind of part of my lifestyle by any means, but um, a lot of it is, you know, in the NBA, Mark Cuban, for example, that was a, I met him a day on a day where I totally put myself in a situation that I knew was going to be scary, but I did it anyway. And that was, um, I wanted to get into this summit that the NBA does once a year at, during the all-star weekend. And it's called the digital summit. And it's like the best of the best brands and most innovative campaigns that are happening. And a lot of high profile people that come in and speak. And he was speaking that day. And I thought the only way I can get in, because I wasn't senior enough. I had no reason to be able to get in. It's very highly coveted is I um, volunteered to work the registration. <laughs> and I thought if I could get there, I could probably sneak in and be able to listen to these people. And that day I met Baron Davis, who became one of my investors. He is an NBA player. He's no longer in the league, but he's a bit of a legend. And it's just, just connecting and social media itself has been a huge asset to meet people. And, um, you know, there isn't a specific formula per se. I think just being willing to accept, you know, not right now or no, <laughs> I'm not afraid of that. You know, if, if I reach out to someone and say, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? And they say, you know, no, it's not a good time. Then it's not a no, it's just a not right now. And so you try again. Um, but it's been you know, it's just been a, a little bit of navigation around figuring out what's in it for them too. I love that you say that. And I love the humility in your voice. And that's, I knew that was going to be the answer because, um, and a lot of the people that I've talked to that have like one thing leads to another, there was a, an origin story, which I love the fact that you started off with an origin story. It's the same thing with us. Like, um, I I watched a Daniel Pink TED talk uh, years ago and I didn't know that like he was quasi famous. I just thought I'll email him and it led mm -hmm. to things. And 
Um, I was in there jotting down notes as you were talking. You, you know, when, when you're on a mission, it just inspires. And you're on a mission. And, and, and just, I can just tell, um, one, the humility uh, that you display. And also, like, I, I, want, I want to be there. I volunteered so I could sneak in. Who doesn't, <laughs> who doesn't fall in love with that? Right. And, and, and I think that's one of the heck, uh, one of the reasons why we snagged uh, Mark Cuban a long time ago is because uh, some of our students were like, like, he wasn't responding. And some, a couple of our students were like, hey, let's just look really like take a picture of us in class. And then like, we'll have this pouty, sad face like, hey, at Mark Cuban, we're so sad you won't get back with us. And like, that's a great idea. And then like, hey, we're on a mission. Our students want to talk to you. And that led to this and that led to that. And then. Yeah. You know, these things can kind of happen, but it always just it makes me scratch my head the amount of people say, well, I can't do that. Right. Well, it worked, oh, well, it worked for you, but, you know, I couldn't do that. And then a lot of times I'll, say, I'll ask, and this is why I jotted down. Okay, like what, because why? What are you doing? And mm-hmm. like, if you, do you have, like going back to that excuse and me asking Annalisha, I had an excuse. Do you have, are you on a mission? Do you have an excuse? So when people are like, well, I could never talk to Jessica Alba. You're probably right. Because if you're like, hey, Jessica, what's up? Uh, I think that you're cool. Okay. But, uh, you know, hey, I'm Amy Joe Martin. I want to pick your brain because I really think that you have something awesome to say. And I want to figure out, you know, when was that moment for you? I mean, of course. It's, it's uh, self-explanatory to me. Um, and that's one of the reasons why, I, again, really, really, really wanted to, to have you on. So I, I love it. Um, speaking of which, tell everybody now, again, you, your book um, obviously on Amazon and things like that, renegades, right, renegades, write The rules. Um, tell everybody else though, all the different places they can find you podcast and everything. Sure. Yes, absolutely. Amyjomartin.com is my website and all social media handles are Amy Jo Martin, A M Y J O no E Martin. And, um, why not now is the name of the podcast. It can be found on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you enjoy listening. And those are the main, the basics. The name of the book is Renegades Write the Rules. I'm working on a second book right now, and that will really dig into the renegade mentality and more along the lines of why not now. And so those are the, the key points. I love that. No, so I do have to ask though. So you've gotten to get advice from a lot of top people and, and key influencers. Uh, but who's your who's your calming voice? Who's the person you go back to um, when you need solid advice? More business advice or life advice? You tell me. Kind of different. Okay, so. That's a great question. I have a little arsenal of, of people. There's one individual who's been on the podcast recently. His name is Kenny Tomlin. And for anything business, he's a wizard. I mean, he sold his first company at 26. And he just has such a good balance of um, business intuition and also analytics and, and really understanding um, the ins and outs. So he's a great uh, person for me to bounce ideas off of. And um, honestly, for life advice, it's usually my parents. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's amazing what, what we can you know, tap into when we do listen to our parents uh, sometimes. And those are a couple of my go-tos. I mean, I, 
was really fortunate to have Tony Shea as an investor and um, a business advisor for for several years with my agency. And he's a visionary. He's his approach is different from from anyone and that I've ever met. So. Um, it all just kind of depends on the specific situation. Who no, I love that. You've got your own Swiss army knife of uh, advisors. Actually, it, it reminds me, uh, I've said this story on another podcast episode. So if you have seen heard this, I'm sorry. But um, I had a former student who had among the coolest ideas and most humbling experience I've, I've been a part of. Um, one day he asked me if I'd be on his board of directors for life. And I didn't hear the for life part. And I'm like, board of directors, are you starting something, Pete? And he's like, no, I want you to be on my board of directors for life. And I'm like, okay, explain. He's like, well, there's like five different areas that I figured I'd need help with throughout my life. And I want to be able to count on you that I'll be able to come to you seeking advice over the next several years. So I would like for you to be on my board of directors of life. Love it. Yeah. I, I, and um, I had a certain specific area and he had other people that were also in specific areas because, you know, he wasn't going to come to me for, you know, a variety of other things. But I was, I thought, wow, what a great one, just signaling of, hey, I value your opinion. But also like, it was just touching. Um, and so I, I love your answer because you're right. I mean, not everybody has the sagely advice for everything, but um and I'm very similar. I'm still Chuck and Sue Wetrick's son, for sure. I'm 45, but uh, man, there are some calls at night where I'm like, ah, hey, I need, <laughs> how did you deal with me when I was, you know, anyway. So anyway, I, I sincerely, Amy, I, I admire what you're doing. I, I knew how this interview was going to go, having read over enough stuff and, and listened to some of the things you were doing, and I love it. Uh, love the origin story and how that has led from one thing to another. And it's absolutely not surprising in any way because uh, you were definitely mission driven. And uh, I love how transparent you are. And I love that you're taking other people along with the journey, both with a book and then now talking to some really influential people, but having non fluff stories, having great origin stories and and when they made up their minds instead of like, how cool is it to be you kind of stuff. So I, again, I have so much admiration and honestly flattered that uh, you, you were on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you, Don. This has been so fun chatting with you. You're a great host and I have a lot of respect with what you're up to and the value you're bringing to the world through your lens and seeing the need um, that you're providing a, a solution. So thank you for having me on. All right. Thanks so much, Amy. Take care. What did I tell you? Was that an amazing story or what? All right. Well, the other thing that I really, really love is the fact that you guys are recommending great guests like Amy to the show. You can always email me for other recommendations, don at startedupinnovation.com, or just go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash startedup. I sincerely appreciate all support. It is like gold when you recommend the show and you share it. I love it. And also the people that are leaving comments on our iTunes page. I cannot thank you enough. It is everything to us. All right. That's all we have for this week. This is Don Wetrick reminding you again that opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.